You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi T. Jacobson and you're listening to NRM Streamcast. And I'm still typing my notes over here. And we're going to spend our time talking to our learning stuff and of course having fun while we learn. And you can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And I will answer as many as I can. Or you can go to our special webpage, letstalktorah.net. You can check out the old shows. You can search for the old shows. You can listen to the new shows. You can even hit our donate button, and that would be amazing. And you can ask for a shout-out, and we will gladly give a shout-out, even though it seems most people would prefer it to be anonymous. But if you need a shout-out or you need a mazel tov or a happy anniversary, all that, all that we're open for. So, of course, if you would like to do that, it would be my greatest pleasure and honor to thank you for that. So, the last show, we were talking, we were comparing our world, the world of Noah with the flood and a lot, a lot of similarities, and we barely, barely scratched, touched the surface of what's going on in this week's Torah portion. We were hung up on the world we live in and on the world he's living in, and I, I, I want to try to to get us uh, more involved in the actual Torah portion and maybe have some time for some good stories. Um, so the verse is interesting. At the end of the day, the verse says Noah is a righteous man. We cannot t- take that away. Torah is not calling somebody a tzaddik, a righteous person, if it's not true. But the verse adds in this extra word, in his generation. And therefore, people have difficulty how righteous really was Noah? Like I asked my class, I said, imagine everybody is misbehaving and everybody is throwing things around the classroom and no one takes out the right books and no one, no one listens to the teacher and one boy is sitting there quietly and he's following instructions and he's doing what he's supposed to do. Is it hard to behave when everybody else is going crazy? Or is it easy? How hard could it be? If everybody's misbehaving, how good do I have to be? And you know, the boys actually struggled with the question. Because maybe if everybody's acting up, how can you expect me to behave? Or, or, how hard could it be? Like, I just have to like, sort of like, not yell and scream, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm a great guy. And that's really the two ways of looking at Noah. He's good. There's no question he's a tzaddik. But how hard was it? Is it not so hard because, like, you know, everybody's bad, so how hard is it to be good? Or, you know, everybody's bad. Everybody's misbehaving, and you want me to be good? That's crazy. But there's definitely some differences we see between Noah and Abraham, right? After this week, we're going to be full force into, the, into Abraham. So 
when we run into Abraham and he sees uh, God tells him he's going to destroy Sodom and Amorah, so the first thing Abraham does, he starts praying, right? We've been talking about, right, with all the stuff going on in Israel, right? What can I do? And we talked about a lot, of, a lot more in the last show, but one of the things you can do is pray. You can worry about somebody else. Somebody else is suffering, you can pray for them. Somebody else is injured, you can pray for them. Somebody else lost their home or, uh, or God forbid, a limb, right? you can pray for them. Right? God will answer, God won't answer, I can't tell you. But certainly he can't answer if you're not praying. Abraham prayed. Noah didn't. Noah did what he was told. I'm not saying, right? Noah was a good guy. God says, build an ark. Noah builds an ark. God says, get the animals. Okay, Noah complains. It's too hard. Um, God says, go in the ark. Go in the ark. Whatever you time. Prepare, get food, build the, cut the trees, plant the trees, tar it, whatever. God, you say it, I'm in. But Noah, we don't find that Noah prays for his generation. That's a big difference between Noah and Abraham. And we should look at ourselves, right? right? Do we look out for only ourselves? Do we only care about ourselves? Or do we have the ability to work, think, pray, help, give charity for others? Who are we? What are we? Now, what's fascinating is Noah's in the ark for a full year. So I asked my class, what was Noah doing during the whole year? Was he sitting back drinking the pina colada? I didn't say pina colada. They don't know what that is. Was he reading a book? So they had to think. And they said, oh, he's feeding the animals. Yeah. Noah is busy feeding the animals. This is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Noah and his family, all they're doing is feeding the animals. It's almost as if that Noah... You are a tzaddik. You're a good guy. But there's a lot of room for improvement. You do not have the ability to look out for others. Well, guess what happens if you have to feed animals for a whole year? Right? You hopefully learn the lesson that I got to help others. Right? Isn't, isn't that the lesson? That guy could have said, don't about the animals. They don't got to eat this year. That's how we're going to keep everybody alive. You don't eat, they don't eat, we'll all be good. No. The animals need to be taken care of. You know, there's a story. It says, uh, there's uh, an extra word in the Pasuk. It says, So Rashi says that Noah was late feeding the lion. And the lion um, gave Noah a kick. Noah's going to be hobbling for a while. He said, I mean, the message was, I don't think the lion spoke to him, Right, but the message was, I'm the last lion. If you feed me late, there will never be another lion in the world. Don't be late. Right, so Noah is busy running around feeding the animals. There happens to be a story with a bird, that the bird was quiet. Noah finally recognized and noticed, hey, are you getting to eat? So the bird said, I felt bad for you. I see you're so busy. I didn't want to bother you. So that bird, I think they say it's the phoenix, it lives for 100 years, or it lives forever, whatever. It's a different, uh, it's a medrash. Right? So Noah, Noah is, is, is rewarded 
But the biggest reward should be that Noah becomes an even better person. He now understands it's not good enough to take care of himself. You take care of animals for a year, okay? You're good with animals. Now you're ready to lead the next generation, right? Noah, I imagine that Noah is the leader of the next bunch of generations, right? Like, come on. He's the guy that survived the flood. By the way, we get to eat meat. Until until the flood, um, the world was full of vegetarians. You couldn't eat meat. But now that the only reason the animals even exist is because Noah took care of them for a year. So we now deserve to eat meat. So just uh, we'll basically just uh, get through parts of the story because I want to focus on a few other points. So Noah's in the ark for a year. Um, the the ark um, comes down on a mountain. The water is receding. At first he sends out the raven. The raven doesn't want to go. Then he sends out the dove, and the dove can't find a place to rest. And he sends him out a week later, and he comes back with an olive branch. Um, and different messages, right? I'd rather God give me food, even if it's bitter, because the olive is not sweet, um, than get food from a person even if it is sweet. Then he sends out the third time. The third time it doesn't come back anymore. Um, But Noah still doesn't leave the ark until Noah comes out. It's a full solar year, by the way. It's a 365-day year and not a lunar calendar of 354, but of 365. And one of the things that God does is... He changes the world. I think the easiest way to explain it is that until this point, the axis of the world was straight. And therefore, if you lived in the central part of the world, which is where everybody lived, right? North Africa, the Middle East, maybe out out towards, well, we'll see later towards China. but, But that Middle East, Iran, Iraq part of the world is where everybody lived. And they had amazing weather. Now the world, after the flood, gets tilted on its axis. So by being tilted, we all know from school that because the world tilts, and first it tilts this way, then it tilts that way, we have seasons, right? Above the equator, below the equator, now we're getting ready for winter. Now on the low, below the equator, they're getting ready for the summer. I mean, I've, I know spring and fall, whatever, just to make a point. Um... There are seasons. The Torah actually calls it six seasons. We call it four seasons. The Torah calls it six seasons because the Torah seasons probably seem to more revolve around an agricultural society. So there's every two months becomes a new season. And people won't live as long, obviously. Right? No lives to 964, 965, something like that. And now people are going to start living less, and people will get sick, and people won't be as healthy, and people won't be as strong, and and you're going to suffer in the cold and suffer in the heat. And that, by the way, is something we touched on in the last show. I didn't really have time to point it out. But when everything is perfect, so then people have to find ways to occupy themselves, and that makes a lot of problems. And... There was no punishment. In other words, if I do, if I get, if something happens in this world that goes wrong, when things are not perfect, 
right? A person breaks an arm, a person gets sick, laid up in bed, a person has aches and pains, a person doesn't like the cold, a person doesn't like the heat. That kind of suffering actually is good for us because it cleanses us from punishments we deserve from sins we've done. So before the, the, the flood, right, the world's sins just kept piling up and the pile just got so humongous that God had to destroy the world. But here, because nothing is perfect and we're always suffering a little bit, we're always being punished a little bit, so the scale doesn't completely fill and overwhelm and we're going to have to destroy the world. So there's a good thing in that. Um, but now this season, that was something that changed from before the world to now, from before the flood to now. So I saw an interesting thought about seasons. So a man has four sons, and he sends them to check out a pear tree. And one, each one in the story went during a different season, one in the summer, one in the spring, one in the fall, one in the winter. And they came back to report to the father what they saw. So obviously, if each one goes during a different season, each one is going to see a different tree, right? Think about it. Each one's going during a different season. Obviously, each one is going to see a different tree. So the winter sun comes and says, I saw this ugly, gnarly tree, nothing dead, ugly. The spring sun comes and says, well, you know, I saw a tree full of green and full of buds and full of promise. And the son who went during the summer, he says, I saw a tree full of blossoms, sweet smells. It was beautiful. And the autumn sun comes and he says, what are you talking about? There was fruit. There was life. There was fulfillment. And the father says, you guys are all right. You're all right. You, but none of you saw the full picture. You each saw the tree during a different season. But if you would be there throughout the whole year, you would see where we go from nothing to to greenery and buds and and the promise and the blossoms and then finally the fruit. and, And you would see the whole picture. Right? That's a great lesson about life, right? The same way that's the way trees work, that's the same way a person is. Sometimes we look at a person and we say, this person, he has nothing going for him. He's this, he's that. Eh, there's no hope for that person. Sometimes we see a person that's in full, full bloom. Everything is going for him. He's successful and he's charitable and he helps people and he has businesses and he's full of goodness. But where'd he come from? you got to see the whole picture. A person is not one season. A person is a lifetime. And God gets to see the whole book. And maybe sometimes we ourselves, I've done it a couple times, where you you sit down for a few minutes and say, how's life? Did I think 20 years ago this is where I'd be today? Did I think my family would look the way it looks 20 years later, 30 years later, 
right? When I was a teenager, did I imagine what I'd be doing with my life? That my life would look the way it is? And if we can look and look at all the goodness that we've had, it's amazing. Can we? Are there bad times? Sure, there's bad times. Are there great times? Of course, there's great times. There's a lot in between. There's a lot of hard work. But do we look at the full picture? So it's not, this story is technically not part of the Torah portion, but the thought is, is in the Torah portion because we went from a world that everything was always the same to seasons, to learn that lesson that, that the world and people are not just a season. We are a lifetime. In any case, so, um, so the flood is over. God tells Noah to leave the ark, and the animals go out. The world is a pretty depressing place. The world is a pretty depressing place. But Noah has plants with him. He's going to replant them. The world is going to regrow. And because Noah came in, even though we all know that it was two of every kind of animal, male and female, that's only true for most animals. But the kosher animals, like the farm animals, cows, sheep, goats, that Noah had seven, seven peers. So Noah himself understood, I mean, we understand farms and, and this is food, so you got to start out with more so they can populate faster. But Noah understood if God sent me with all these extra animals, I should bring a sacrifice. So Noah brings a sacrifice. And it says God smelled the pleasant smell. He understood the, the potential of people and we could be good. And... And God says, I'm not going to bring another flood. And the sign, actually, even though that sign's been stolen by other organizations, but that's how life always goes, and the sign for that is the rainbow. The rainbow on the clouds, we see the rainbow. That rainbow is God saying, see this rain? You guys might dis deserve to be destroyed, but I promise Noah that I'm not destroying the world. Now, it is interesting there are times, there are generations where they didn't need a rainbow because there were such righteous people during those generations. So when we see a rainbow, whoa, I, 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 I hear a bass sound. I'm sure nobody else hears it, but I hear it. Whoa, that is cool. Alrighty. Um, so in any case, but the rainbow becomes the sign um, that God is not destroying the world. So with my two minutes left, as I've been told, um, I do have a story I wanted to share. I told it over to my class today. Um, there's some good lessons that really apply to this week's Torah portion. So there was a great rabbi in the 50s in B'nai Brak in Israel, and his name was the Chazanish. And the Chazanish was a, was a big scholar, always sitting and studying Torah. He actually studied mostly by himself. He didn't have a school. Um, but he also was very into health. So he didn't go jogging, um, but he did exercise. So he just took walks. So if anybody wanted to hang out with him, you go with him on a walk. And he walked for miles, three, four miles. So one time there's a boy with him. They're walking. They're miles away from his home, and it starts pouring. That's what has to do with his Torah portion. Pouring, 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 pouring. And a taxi pulls up and says, Kvodarav, can I give you a ride for free? I'll take care of you. 
Now it's pouring. Any normal person, you just hop in that camp and say, okay. But the Chazanish said, is it your camp? I can't steal. If it's not your camp, then, then you are giving me money that doesn't belong to you. But with that, the music, of course, is playing. And we have to say goodbye for today. So, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you to one of the responsive listeners. You know, I can't do without you. Thank you to one of the production team. We have Alan in the back. Well, let's do some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and I'm Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build. Every room inside is filled with things from far away. Special things I compile, each one there.